0: We turn this morning to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we read verses 22 through chapter 2, verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 22. And since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart, for you have been born again not of seed, which is perishable but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the Word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the Word which was preached to you. Therefore, putting aside all malice, And all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the Word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the love that you have poured out upon us. Mercy and grace freely given. And Father, when we experience the love that you have for us, it changes us. And it gives us a love for one another. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would teach us this morning what that means. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray that you would guide us into your truth. Lord, we believe that your word is everlasting truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When you see a word or a phrase that is repeatedly used in Scripture, that would suggest that it's probably pretty important. Repetition is not only the secret of learning. It's also a way to emphasize something. There's a phrase, a little phrase, one another. And it is used 100 times. In 94 New Testament verses. So that would suggest if you see that phrase, one another, one another, one another, repeated over and over again, it is a phrase that we ought to take seriously. And of the 100 times you see that phrase, one another, one third of them, one third of them deal with loving one another. So I would suggest to you that that's pretty important, right? Over and over again, we are commanded and encouraged to love one another. So what does Peter have to say about that? Why why does he tell us that we ought to love one another? I would suggest to you there are three reasons. First of all, we ought to love one another because God's family is special. God's family is special. If you look at the first verse of this epistle, uh, Peter describes his audience in relationship to the world. He calls them aliens. Aliens who were scattered throughout various regions of what today would be modern day Turkey. Christians described as aliens. Now, in describing them as aliens, he's reminding these believers that this world is not our home, Right? We sing a song, right? This world is not my home. I am just a passing through. And as aliens in this world, there are times when we feel like we really don't fit in. The way the world thinks and the way the world lives, we feel like we're from another planet, another world. And, and there's a sense in which that is true, right? Because the Scripture says that our citizenship is... In heaven, right? We belong to a heavenly kingdom. And so therefore, it shouldn't be surprising that when we live in this world, we feel like we just don't quite always fit in. And Peter, as he writes to these believers scattered throughout these various regions of modern day Turkey, he is addressing a group of people that were suffering. A lot of this book, 1 Peter, deals with suffering Christians And so he reminds them that your citizenship is in heaven. Uh, You look forward to a day when you will claim your inheritance that will never spoil or fade. It's reserved in heaven for you. But now, he said, you may suffer. And it may be a challenge. But just remember what's in store for you in the future. Now, how do we deal then with life as aliens in this world? I think one of the ways we deal with it as believers is to know that we are part of a family. We are part of the family of God, and in the family of God, we are to love one another. Look at verse 22 of our text. Since you, he's writing to believers here, since you have in obedience to the truth Purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. There's family. Fervently love one another from the heart. So even though we who love Jesus might be hated by the world. In fact, Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you as well. And so even though that is true, we who love Jesus are part of the body of Christ. We belong to the family of God. We love each other, right? We love each other. And we're encouraged to continue more and more to love one another. Now, notice how Peter describes the kind of love we're to have. He says that it is a sincere love. Or a love that is literally not hypocritical. That would be a literal way of translating that. A a love that is not hypocritical. That word hypocrite has an interesting background in Scripture. It was used to describe someone who acted on a stage. And in Greek culture, putting on a mask, pretending that you are something that you really aren't. Peter says that's not the kind of love in the family of God. That's not the kind of love in the body of Christ where we just pretend that we love another. He said it's real. It's sincere. It is not Hypocritical. There's actually two words translated love in verse 22. The first one is, is an affectionate kind of love, a friendship kind of love. It's the Greek word phileo, the love of brothers and sisters who are part of the same family. It's really a natural love, isn't it? When you think of your brothers and sisters, you think of your mom and dad, there is that natural affection. Something you have in common because you are part of the same family. And so I don't have to make myself love my brothers. I just love them because they're my brothers, right? I love my mom and dad and my children and my grandchildren because we're family, okay? There's that affectionate love. And if I don't love them, there's something wrong, right? There's something, something wrong. So, sincere love not hypocritical love. And then he uses the word fervent love. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brother, brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Now, this word love is a different word from the first one. This is the Greek word agape. And I'm sure you've all heard of that word. That's the, a word that describes the deepest kind of love, that there is, And it really has little to do with emotion, little to do with, with affection. It is a sacrificial love. It is a love of choice, a love of our will, and it expects nothing in return. It's the kind of love that God has for us, right? God so loved, he agaped the world that he gave his only son. Now, this kind of love is also a love that's needed in the family of God, isn't it? That kind of love is needed because there are times, let's be honest, there are times, have you experienced this, when it might be hard to love another brother, and love another sister in the Lord. Maybe uh, something was said that that offended you or bothered you. Maybe something was done that hurt your feelings. Or maybe you were expecting something to be done and it wasn't done. Or maybe you just plain disagree. Huh? Is that possible in the family of God? Yes, it is. Now, it's one thing to disagree, right? It is another thing to be disagreeable. There's a difference, right? So we might disagree, but we are to still show that Agape love. That love that we don't expect anything in return. We choose to love because we have been loved by Jesus. Fervent love. We did a study in the life of Joseph on Wednesday evening. Started it online and many of you watched that and we concluded that a few weeks ago. You think of Joseph? Well, I'll tell you what, he knew what it was to love, right? His brothers had sold him into slavery and he could have taken revenge on them so easily. He forgave them because he loved them. That's agape love. That's the kind of love, that love that Peter is is talking about here. The word fervent is, is kind of an interesting word. The root word of that word fervent means to stretch. And it can carry the idea of intense straining. So think of that picture, intense straining. If you want to see intense straining, uh, come to the gym on Tuesday or Friday morning at 6 o'clock. And it's the old men that do the stretching. Okay? The young guys, they just walk out there, put their shoes on, they start playing. But us old guys, we are stretching and we are straining. And often when I stretch, I've said, isn't it supposed to feel good when you stretch? It doesn't feel good when you stretch. It feels good when you're done stretching, right? So I think of that when I think of this word fervently, intense straining. And maybe, just maybe, this is what it's like to love fervently. It might not always feel good at the time. But guess what? Afterwards, right? So if you're waiting for a feeling, some kind of an emotion... To show love to someone. You don't understand agape love. Love, That that kind of love is a choice. And it might not feel good at the time, but I'll tell you what, after you're done. I remember when I was a teenager, and sometimes we'd go to the nursing home. And I don't know about you guys when you were teenagers, but that would not be number one on our list as to where we'd want to go. So we went. Not always with... Deep emotion and feeling, but I'll tell you what, when we went and we saw what that meant to those people, we were we were being stretched, right? Afterwards, it, it felt good. So, so sometimes, you know, if we're waiting for some kind of an emotional feeling to show love to someone, don't wait. Just do it, right? You've been loved and show love to one another. If you're wondering where this kind of love comes from, Peter says at the end of verse 22, it comes from the heart. And in the context of verse 22, it comes from a heart that has been purified. A heart that has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And so this kind of love, it isn't possible in our own flesh. It isn't natural. This agape love, this fervent love, it is supernatural. It is the work of God. In us, right? Romans 5 5 says that the love of God has been poured out within our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given to us. So if God is pouring love into your heart, pour it out on someone else. That's the reason for it. God pours it in. and You and I can pour it out. The family of God is special. Very special. We need to love them with that kind of love. God pours it in, and we pour it out. Like one man said, anybody who gets in my way is going to get loved. (laughs) That's the way it ought to be. So we love one another because God's family is special. Secondly, we ought to love one another because God's Word is powerful. You need to follow the, Peter's train of thought here. you see the connection he makes between love and spiritual life? He says, fervently love one another from the heart. Then verse 23 begins with this little word for, F-O-R. For, or since, or because, Right? So you fervently love one another from the heart. Why? Because you have been born again. So there's the foundation, right? When we know Jesus, we know what love is. We've been born again. So being born again not only gives us a new life, it gives us a new love. In fact, First John 3.14 says this, We know that we have passed Out of death into life because what? Because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Or put another way, love is a fruit of salvation, right? It is a result of salvation. If there is no love, there is no life, (laughs) That's as as simple as you can state it. If you don't have love for people, you don't have life. Because when you have life, when you have spiritual life, it results in love. Now notice how Peter describes how we are born again, how we have spiritual life. Verse 23, he says that we are born again through the Word of God. Verse 23. For you have been born again, not of a seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. Notice how he compares the word to a seed. A seed is an illustration Peter would have understood because he sat under the ministry of Jesus. And what did Jesus tell in the parable of the sower? The seed is what? The Word of God. We share that seed and that produces life. Now, if you look at a seed, it doesn't look like it's alive. does It looks like it's dead. But something happens when you plant that seed. You put it in the ground and it produces life, right? It sprouts and it grows. And I've also learned that you don't even have to put it in the ground to have it grow. You ever go by some houses and you see trees growing out of the, the, the gutters? Ha, <laughs> It's like, whoa, that whole gutter is green. You got trees growing up. I go rollerblading along Fish Lake, asphalt patch. I got to watch out for, for plants growing th- right through the asphalt. Amazing. The power of a seed, right? It is absolutely amazing what a seed can do. And, and Peter then likens the Word of God to a seed. And this seed, the word of God, produces life because it is living. And so we don't miss the point. Uh, Peter uses three words to emphasize this. He says that God's word is imperishable. It is living. And it is enduring. Okay? There's repetition. Words that are very similar. Imperishable, living, and enduring. And that's why we can have confidence when we share the word. I believe that when I share the word of God that God can take that word and change lives. It's living. It's powerful. It is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. As the rain and snow come down from heaven, Isaiah says, that produces life, and so is my word. It accomplishes the purpose for which I have sent it. The Word of God can do something in a person's life that nothing else can do. It can bring a person from spiritual death to spiritual life. And when they are brought from spiritual death to spiritual life, they begin loving people. (laughs) Amazing. They love to be a part of the family of God. Those who are unsaved... They don't want to be gathered with us. They might come because they're forced to be here, but when you come to know Jesus, guess what? You want to be a part of the family. You want to love those who are your brothers and sisters in Jesus. Now the change that the Lord brings into our life when we are saved, it's a process too, right? It's not just overnight. There's a process of of change. We aren't born again as fully mature disciples. And Peter tells us how that happens if you go to the second chapter. He says, therefore, putting aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Now, after having seven children and 17 grandchildren, I've learned something about babies. You know what I've learned? They love to eat. They love to eat. Day and night, they love to eat. Don't they, moms? A few amens coming from the ladies. (laughs) And what happens when they eat? They grow. Right. They grow. Peter says like newborn babies long for that work for that word so that by it you may grow in your in respect to salvation. When we take in the spiritual nourishment of God's word, we grow in love for Jesus and we grow in love for one another. So if you look at your life today and say, you know what, I, I'm lacking that kind of love. First of all, you need to be born again. You need to know Jesus. Then you need to spend time in His Word so that you may grow in that relationship. The life-giving Word produces a love-giving life. Isn't that right? The life-giving Word produces a love-giving life. The late Dr. Moffat was a missionary to uh, South Africa. And he told the story of a a boy that was given a New Testament and that boy came to know the Lord. And one day he came then to Dr. Moffat and he was all concerned because his dog had gotten a hold of that New Testament and ate a page out of it. And so Dr. Moffat said, well, I can get you another New Testament. He said, oh, that's... That's not my concern. He says, think of the dog. He said, well, if your dog can crunch an ox bone, a little page from the New Testament isn't going to hurt him. And he said, no. He said, Dr. maffey you don't understand. He said, I was once a bad boy. He said, and I got the New Testament in my heart. He said, I began to love and forgive all my enemies. And he said, now, he said, this big hunting dog, he has the Word of God in him. And he's going to begin to love the lions and tigers. And he won't protect the sheep and the the oxen anymore. I'm not sure uh, eating a page of the New Testament is going to change the heart of a dog. But I'll tell you what, when you take in the Word of God, it's going to change your heart. When you are receiving that life-giving, life-changing Word of God, hungering for that Word like a baby wants to eat, Your life's going to be different. And people will see it. And if they get in your way, they're going to get loved, right? Because God has produced that love in your heart. So we ought to love one another because God's Word is powerful. When we are born again, that Word is what transforms our lives. Thirdly, we ought to love one another. Because our lives are only temporary. Our lives are temporary. Interesting what Peter does here. He describes God's Word in verse 23 as enduring. And then he quotes from Isaiah to kind of as a proof text. Okay, here's what God has said already about His Word. And so verse 24, he says, For all flesh is like grass... In all its glory, like the flower of grass, the grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Now, Isaiah or Peter could have just quoted just that phrase, the word of the Lord endures forever, and that would have proved his point about the enduring value of God's word. But but he quotes a larger section and he contrasts then our temporary lives with God's eternal Word. He says, the Word of the Lord endures forever, but what are we like? We're like grass. We're like flowers that fall off. Grass withers. The flowers fall off. Our journey through life ends and it seems as if life goes way too fast. Now, maybe you young people don't quite understand that yet because you're usually wanting things to go faster, right? I want to get my license. I want to get a graduate from high school. And it just seems like time is not moving as fast. But when you get older, and I'll consider myself older, guess what? You look at life and say, Wow. Where did those years go? And Scripture describes it in various ways. Psalm 39.4, uh, the psalmist says, uh, My days are, are transient. Let me know how transient I am. First Chronicles 29.15, We are sojourners before you, and our days on earth are like a shadow. James 4.14, he says, what, are, what is your life? <laughs> You don't even know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. That's what it is, isn't it? So what's the point? The point is this. Since life is short, you don't have that many years to love people. So don't waste it. Take advantage of the time you have to tell people and to show people that you love them. If you don't, you're going to look back and and live in regret because it won't be long before someone you love is no longer here. That's how life is. Bill and Gloria Gaither have written a song, We Have This Moment. Some of you are familiar with that. It says, hold tight to the sounds of the music of living, happy songs from the laughter of children at play. Hold my hand as we run through the sweet, fragrant meadows, making memories of what was today. We have this moment to hold in our hands and to touch as it slips through our fingers like sand. Yesterday's gone and tomorrow may never come, but we have this moment today. Tender words, gentle touch, and a good cup of coffee. And someone who loves me and wants me to stay. Hold them near while they're here. And don't wait for tomorrow to look back and wish for today. We have this moment to hold in our hands. And to touch as it slips through our fingers like sand. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow may never come. But we have this moment today. So what are you going to do with the moments you have today? Don't waste them. Don't waste them. Love one another. Because you have been loved by Jesus. Tell the people you love you love them. Show the people you love that you love them. Yesterday has gone. Tomorrow may never come. But we have this moment today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are like grass. We are like the flowers that fall off. Help us, Lord, to love one another, especially as we think of being a part of Your family, Lord Jesus, having brothers and sisters in Christ, part of one body. Thank You for a spiritual life that produces... A a life of love, giving love to one another. And Father, if there's someone this morning that maybe we struggle loving, maybe we've been hurt, wounded, disappointed, Father, help us to love the way that You loved us. With that self-sacrificing agape love that You pour into our hearts in order that we might pour it out upon others. And Lord, as we come to your table this morning, what a wonderful illustration of love that you would give your life for us, that you'd pay the price for us. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for the sacrifice that you've made, the price that you've paid. We ask all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.